So I have a question. When you are at your absolute worst, I mean, you are at your ugliest, your dirtiest, your most sinful, your most faithless. When we've been at those places, if we were to look in the mirror, what would we see? In a moment, I'm going to talk about what God sees. But I want you to know that that we have an enemy, and Satan is our enemy, and he is great at throwing filters in front of what we see. And lying and whispering and deceiving and trying to tear us down and causing us to see something based on a maybe an element of truth, but that is definitely not truth. When we look in the mirror, when we... When we have been at our worst and we look, what we should see is the person that at that, at that exact moment, Jesus died for. Because the Bible tells us when we were at our most lost, at our worst, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus didn't wait until we got cleaned up, until we got turned around, until we got our act together. To, to save us. The enemy's predictable. And I imagine we've all had those times when we look in the mirror and, and, and we've joined into agreement with the enemy and said things like, stupid, you did it again. What are you doing? Why did you do it again? Stinking Harper. When are you going to grow? Or whatever those things are that we say to ourselves, and, and it's never in agreement with God when we do those things. Because what, what the Father sees is for when we have given our lives to Christ, He looks through the lens of the completed work of Jesus. And He sees one who's redeemed, who's saved whose sin has been washed away by the blood of the Lamb. See, the Bible tells us that the wrath of God, like, like it, it's a legit thing. And it was legit against us until a price was paid to pay the price for sin. Because God does hate sin. Sin is the barrier that keeps us between us and Him. But when Jesus Christ paid the price of his life for our sin, it says that that took away the wrath of God against us. So we do not serve an angry God. He does not have anger against us. He is not an angry God against us. As a matter of fact, when he sees us, he can only see through the completed work of Jesus Christ and that we are as white as snow. We are pure. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are his. We are adopted. We are his. He looks and says, she looks like me. He acts like me. He's mine. He sees that work of sanctification that the Holy Spirit is doing. That we are growing daily to look like him. The title of today's message is See. And honestly, it's a topic I'm kind of obsessed with. I really am. 
what do we see? And I guess more importantly, what does Jesus see? John chapter 5 tells the story of, of Jesus going to a place where sick, sick people, unhealthy people gathered in the hopes of being healed. And on this particular day, he saw what the Father was doing in the life of one particular man who had been, who had been powerless, who had been impotent in his life, no power for 38 years. And Jesus saw what the Father was doing, and Jesus went to him and said, stand up, because he saw that the Father was healing him. And we see this in John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It says, so Jesus said to them, and he's speaking now to, to the crowd, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. If I can stop right there, it, it, it doesn't say... Um, the son chooses to do nothing of his own accord. What it says is the son is completely helpless and can do nothing of his own accord. But only what he sees the father doing. I want you guys to know the father is doing things all the time. God is at work all the time time. He is doing things. He is doing the miraculous. He is doing works of power. He is doing works of redemption. He is doing works of forgiveness. Let's pick back up. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and the Father shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these. Will he show him so that you may marvel? You see, earlier that day, this place where people constantly congregate in need of a touch of healing, earlier that day, Jesus saw the Father healing this particular man. So when Jesus shows up on the scene and sees the man, Jesus had already seen the Father healing him. So when Jesus walked up to him, there's no surprise. There's, it's stand up. Get up. When we see that the Father is up to something, then it shouldn't surprise us when he starts unfolding and brings that person to us. And we can say, even though he is lame, I can say, stand up and arise in Jesus' name because the Father's at work. I've already seen it. He's already included me in his plan. If you've got your, your Bibles, or let me say this. If you don't have the Passion Translation, then go ahead and close your Bibles and open your Bible app. Because we're going to turn to Romans chapter 8 in the TPT, which is the Passion Translation. And um, Romans chapter 8 is one of those chapters where in, in the Bible app where you can highlight and you can copy and you can make notes. Every translation that, are, that I frequently use which I use ESV, I use NASB, the New American Standard, uh, the Living Translation, and I love the Passion Translation. Um, Don and Elaine, actually, are the ones who first uh, pointed that to me. Every verse in Romans chapter 8 is highlighted. Every verse. We're going to patiently 
go through Romans chapter 8 today. And here's what I want us to do. I, I believe that far too often when we spend time with the Lord, we don't spend time with him as an interactive dialogue, as a conversation. When we open up scripture and we start reading the words, something shifts in our mind because we've been conditioned to it, where all of a sudden um, we think it's more about a classroom or a learning environment than it is about a conversation or a dialogue. And that's not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a dialogue. It's meant to be a conversation. The primary way that we hear from God is his word. He's written it out for us. This is the word of God. You know that anytime you want to hear from God, you can hear from God anytime, anytime by opening up his word. Because every single one of these words has been inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspired men to write these words as the voice of God. I'm going to give you guys uh, a special privilege this week. And I I guess I won't say only this week, but I'm going to go ahead and say only this week. This week and only this week. And uh, and that's this. You can holler and go, whoa, 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 hey, let's back up. Okay, you can holler and back up because here's what we're going to do. And I've never done this before. Um, We're just going to sit there and read Scripture together. I'll stop, I'll unpack, I'll explain, I'll, I'll, I might read something again. But if you see something, you're like, whoa, 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 back up. Then you can holler out. Now, those of you watching online, I don't know how you do this because I'm not going to see your comments. You can holler on because I'm not on Facebook Live. If someone is in the building, like on Facebook Live or on our YouTube and sees comments, then you can holler out those comments to me, okay? Um. So, okay, so Andy's got it pulled up. Wonderful. Um, I have a stool here, and I'm going to make myself comfortable. Um, Because honestly, when we're in conversation with the Lord, and we're just wanting to hear from him, we should find a way to make ourselves comfortable. And just, as we're reading, to talk, to ask questions, to comment to listen, to hear, to be strengthened, and to see. We don't see what God's up to often enough, and we don't ask him what he's up to often enough. And quite honestly, I don't think we ask him to give us eyes to see. If God's at work, and he wants to include us in what he's doing, then we also are given eyes to see. But we have to know that. We have to be aware of that. We have to be looking in the right direction. Our focus needs to be intentional. So um, I don't know how you, you like, I guess, learn best. If it's through the visual, a lot of times we'll have graphics. or We have the scriptures that will come up because um, sometimes it's good, you know, to, like, read along even as you're listening. I do that. There's times I'll buy a book. I'll buy the the book book, I'll buy the, the, the iBook, and I'll buy the Audible. And there's times I will listen along as I'm reading. And so uh, I'm going to be reading along. I encourage you if, you, if you focus in best reading along, then do so with me. Um, but I'm going to read Romans chapter 8. Let's start in verse 1. 
the, the headline here, uh, this header of this chapter is living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who were joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the Spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. If we if we believe that every word of this is true, then this would be a really good time to say um, those times when we hear the voices of accusation against us. This would be a really good time to say, "Lord, I'm in you. I'm yours. We are we are in union. You've given me life giving union with you." But what I keep hearing is that is that I'm worthless, or I'm no good, or I've blown it, or I'll never learn, or I, I should have been further along in life by now. I I have no value. I'm not useful. And I just keep hearing these. So Lord, if I'm in union with you, then then why am I hearing this? Lord, what, what cause can I hear your voice? Lord, can you speak to me? I mean, and that's a good place to stop at verse one. And to respond to God and say, I keep hearing these accusations. Lord, what do you say about me? And then, then to not read another word for a moment until we pause to say, all right, Lord, what are you speaking over me? And he might want to speak it the very next verse, but he also might want to speak it to your spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Verse 3. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. I love that. God condemns the guilt of sin. God condemns the power of sin. God speaks against those things because of the work of Jesus Christ. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. I love that. Living his life in us. By the way, have you guys noticed like President Trump does that? Like when he's doing a speech sometimes, he'd be like, he's like living his life in us, living his life in us. Like he'll repeat himself sometimes. I'm like, oh man, he, you know, he's, he's got that. He's got some preaching in his genealogy because it's coming out then. He'll just randomly repeat himself. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. There's, that's a question I ask the Lord right now. Lord, can you, can you expose to me the motivations of my heart? Because I, I kind of feel like I'm, my motivations are mainly good. But Lord, I do know myself, and I think there's you know, part of it there that 
you know, that, that I'm, I'm doing this because, you know, I, I think it'll benefit me. Oh, Lord, I'm doing this because I think it'll make me look good or whatever it is. And then just stop and ask the Lord. Lord, can you, can you look at my heart and can you show me what's in my heart there? Lord, because I, I just want to please you. Once again, dialogue. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. I love that phrase, spiritual realities. Because a lot of times when we talk about the spiritual, people are like, they don't think it's a reality. There are spiritual realities. There is a spiritual realm, and it is just as real as this physical realm. So I dig this so much. Those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. What do you do when the Holy Spirit has an impulse and, and, he, and he throws it your way? He wants you to do something. The Holy Spirit has an impulse because he's a person. He's not an it. He's a person. Do we respond to the impulses of the Holy Spirit? Ooh, 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 Sarah, go pray for her. Oh, Robert, go encourage him. What do we do when the Holy Spirit has an impulse and includes us in it? For the mindset of the flesh, this is verse 6, for the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Who's in control, y'all? In fact, the mindset focused on the flesh fights God's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot for no matter how hard they try, God finds no pleasure with those who are controlled by the flesh. I want to be pleasing to God. You want to be pleasing to God? Do you want your actions to be pleasing to God? Then there has to be a relinquishing of control. Does relinquishing of control just happen just naturally? Not for me. Maybe for you. Not for me. For me, there has to be an intentional yielding, a reminding of myself of whose ways are better. His way is better. Verse 9. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the spirit of the anointed one, you are not of him. Now Christ lives his life in you. That's amazing. He lives his life in you. He lives his life in me. Even though you're body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. Young people, did you hear that? You are fully accepted by God. You are fully accepted by God. But what about the fact that I blew it? What about the fact that I cussed? What about the fact that I stole or cheated or lost my temper or lied? You are fully accepted by God. He is living his life in you 
And, and when we yield ourselves to him and we respond to his Holy Spirit, we grow. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He loves a yielded heart. So I, I want to point this out right now. If, if this was me sitting at home in my backyard, sitting in the shade, enjoying myself, just, just spending time with God, there'd be a whole lot more questions that I'd be asking God. Because I'd have more than 25 minutes to bring the word or, you know, whatever it is we allot for a message. Some of you are laughing right now. Yeah, going like 25 minutes. Yeah, all right, Harper. Your last message was 45. Maybe this one will be 25. I don't know. But I encourage you guys, this is meant to be a dialogue with the Lord. If I can just pause real quick. In asking the Lord what he had in mind for this, in asking the Lord what he's doing and what he's up to, I truly believe that he showed me that in the church in general, and I won't just say this church, but own it. Take responsibility where it fits. That in the church, there's not a hunger to be with him. Because it, it's, we have this microwave instant satisfaction mentality. And what we're talking about here of spending time with him and just chewing on his word and dialoguing with him. It's not a microwave meal. This is a feast. You know what I'd encourage you guys to do? I mean, make make the, the start of your week a really heavy day to spend time with him like this, like kind of going through. And then I don't feel like every day has to be like that. And then maybe the next day is, is truly a day of meditation, man. You are chewing on on what you read and what you talked with the Lord about the day before. And so now you're kind of jumping in. And you know, like you've had like a big meal and you're kind of still a little hungry at the end of the minute. And so you go back to the table, right? You go back to the feast table. You're like, ooh, olives. There's always room for black olives. I want three black olives. And ooh, there's a little bit of stuffing left. I'm going to have stuffing, not turkey stuffing, cranberries, and I'm just going to have a little bit of stuffing. And, And so the rest of the week for me, sometimes it's that. I'm like, Lord... This right here, I can't shake this. I keep thinking about this. So I want to circle back with this on you. Bring this to life. Let me see this. And there are days that it is a strong meditation day. There are days where that when I'm driving now, I'm listening to the word. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. That was so good. But I will camp on the same scripture forever. I will camp on the same chapter forever. I'm not trying to, to gain ground and read a, you know, a, a bunch of, content. I want dialogue with the Lord. All right, where was I? All right. I think I finished 11. Is that what I said? I started 11. All right. I'm at 11. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes in you. So then, beloved ones, The flesh has no claims on us at all. And we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste his abundant life. Verse 14. The mature children of God 
are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay. So I, we read a little earlier about what do we do? How do we respond to the impulses of the Holy Spirit? And now in verse 11, it's saying the mature children of God are those who are moved by those impulses. So this is a pretty good barometer. This is actually a really good barometer. This is one of those, hey, own what you can own. Take responsibility for what you can take responsibility and go, okay, I don't often respond to the impulses of the Holy Spirit. According to Scripture, this tells me that I'm lacking maturity in this area. And where I lack maturity, God wants to grow me to a place of maturity. And then we respond to this. And then, so so how would we respond to this right now? If we're sitting there reading this, and, and we're just, how would we respond to the Lord with this? Teach me. Show me. Lord, would you, sometimes I'm dense. Can you be, Holy Spirit, would you be really loud in this for me? I need you to be really loud in this for me. Holy Spirit, I, I want to grow in this. So can you remind me and guide me and teach me in this? I mean, I tell, I tell in, in ministering to couples all the time, in marriages all the time, I say, men are not mind readers. You've got to spell it out for us. There's times my wife and I, we found ourselves in the, in the midst of like an argument. And she's like, baby, my friends know I had a bad day. My friends know I'm hurting. That stranger, the, the, the woman at the checkout counter, key super, so I don't know. She, she asked me, how are you, honey? And how do you not know? I'm like, baby, you got to spell it out for me sometimes. I'm dense. Just tell me I'm struggling. I'm having a bad day. I'm, we got to do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach me. I, I, I want to grow in this. Verse 15. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. You've received the spirit of adoption including you in the family of God. We go back on that. Verse 15. Let's do it again. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty. This is not about religious duty. This is not about religious obligation. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. This is about the fact that I'm included and accepted by God and loved by Him. And I'm a part of His family. And you will never feel orphaned. For as He rises up within us, our spirits join Him in saying the words of tender affection. Beloved Father, For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. Lord, I ask you right now to to make me feel like your beloved child. Lord, I ask you right now. Lord, to to make me feel accepted by you and, and feel included by you. Lord, all I can see is this failure or shortcoming or sin or shame would cause me to see what you see. 
verse 17, and since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Before I get into verse 18, I just want to make a just a definitive statement. I am not here to entertain anybody. Uh, sometimes I think when we, we turn on something on the iPad or on the TV or on YouTube, it's because we're, we're there to be entertained. I ain't, I ain't here to entertain you. I'm here to make disciples. And I'm just telling you right now, I find it really hard to make disciples without stressing the importance of spending time with God. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to, to in any way make disciples outside of saying, you've got to spend time with God. The very first message preached at this church on January 2nd, 2010, the, the launch of Impact Rock Church was about spending time with God. Spending time with God. And I even said, include him in whatever. If you like, if you like having a cup of tea, then have a tough cup of tea with God. If you like having a beer, have a beer with Jesus. If you like just sitting out in the wilderness, going for a hike, go for a hike with God. Include him on those things and connect with him. If you like finding the lake somewhere where it's quiet, everything's blocked out, I do too. Include him in it. Go there with him. Verse 18. I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. I love that. That's you. That's me. That's us. The unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. That's so good. Gosh, that's so good. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. It's not just creation. We who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. Most people don't like to wait. Most people have a tough time with trust because trust has been broken so many different times. But not with God. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. I love that. 
For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf. I love that. Pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us, his holy ones, in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. All right, so we're to Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28 is one of the most quoted, most known, you know, scriptures. And so it'll, it'll sound a little different, but... Um, what we're used to is probably, um, if I know all things work, you know, God makes all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? So here's what it says. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. So I, 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 let's, let's, let's do something real quick. Let's, I want us to see something. It says that, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan. Can you visualize that for a second? Can you visualize a little strand of failure woven in with all these beautiful strands of victory. Can you imagine strands of hurt woven in with many more brilliantly colored strands of healing? Can you visualize those strands of grace woven into those strands of need in our life and see how beautifully they're, they're meshed together? Can you see it? Can you, can you visualize that? See, when we spend time in his word, God wants us to stop and see these kind of things. Now, I chose this because it's very ornately worded. The, the TPT is very, very decoratively worded and wonderfully worded. When we're spending time with him, we need to stop and see. Lord Jesus, can you cause me to see? I'm hearing this story about you, um, you know, uh, feeding the 5,000. Lord, right now, would you cause me to see? I want to see this setting. Lord, I want to see you at work. Lord, I want to see uh, the disciples freaking out because no one has anything to eat. Lord, I want to see how, can you show me how you brought peace to them? Because they were freaking out and they wanted to bail. They wanted to call it a day. And just stop and ask God to show you something. Jesus said, when we read it in, in John 5, he does nothing except what he sees the Father doing. And he says, the Father 
shows me this stuff because he loves me. Because I'm a son. Let's read this next verse. We all know Romans 8, 28, but how many of us know Romans 8, 29? For he knew all about us before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. If the Father did it for Jesus, the Father will do it for us. If the Father showed Jesus, our big brother, what he was doing so that Jesus can be included in it, do you think he'll do anything less for us? He'll show us, but we need to have eyes to see. Verse 30, having determined our destiny ahead of time, He called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. Wow. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Guys, when we feel beat down, we need to make note of certain scriptures that lift our heart and remind us of who we are. This is who we are. Our identity is found through our relationship with God, just like Jesus found his identity through his relationship with God. He's the son. Co-glorified with his son. So what does all this mean? Verse 31. If God has determined to stand with us, tell me, Who then could ever stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as the sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. This right here, this is one of those moments where we pause and we say, Holy Spirit, I need this to sink into me. That the Father gave his most precious possession, if you will. The most valued, precious thing in his life, he gave the Son. Lord, open my eyes. Give me eyes to see what that looks like, what that means. Verse 33, who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen in love to be his. God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them. Not guilty. I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. I had a ton of dialogue with the Lord this week on what what he wanted to say cuz that's what I always start off saying Lord what do you want what do you want to say to your people this week and I felt like he was urging me to ask another question to to maybe for this setting to ask a better question But I I always do that every single week Lord what do you want to say to your people this week That's that's what I say 
And then he responds, and then that's what I share. And this week I just found myself asking him different questions. Lord, what do you want to do in the lives of your people this week? Lord, what do you want to change in the lives of your people this week? Lord, what do you want to sharpen your people with? Lord, what do you want to inspire your people with? And I just started, I probably asked so many questions, and I probably didn't give adequate time to really get all these answers. But I'm just here to let you guys know that God God wants to stir things in in our lives. He wants to do things in our lives. He desires intimacy with us. He desires closeness and dialogue. It's not a sacrifice he wants. It's a relationship he wants. It's love he wants. It's intimacy he desires. Kara, if you could come on up. I, I, I want to I land quickly. And I want to land... I, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us. This this amount of corporate time with him where we went through this scripture together, this shouldn't be the only time this week that we spend time in his word like this. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, people, everyone has different preferences in different ways. I get it. I'm just letting you know, for me, I have, I have a heavy time with the Lord, and then I have times of chewing and processing and meditating. When I, I, I'm thinking about what he said, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to guide me back to it, and he'll bring me back to something. So you, you find what works for you. You find that dialogue with the Lord that's that's pertinent to you. But here's here's what I'm saying. This this isn't literature. This isn't Huck Finn. When, when we play scripture, we're not we're not just playing some some you know uh, audible book. This is life. Every word is life. Honestly, as much as I read there, I rarely would do that in my time with the Lord. There's there's so many questions I would have after reading something or there's, I would rave. I love to rave. I'm like, God, that's so good. That is so good. I mean, it's all good, Lord. It's all good. But that one right there, that one's really good. I, that's what I do with the Lord. Lord, I forget this all the time. I see it in your word and I know it's true and I forget it all the time. Holy Spirit, would you help me? Would you help me to remember? Would you bind this to my heart? Would you wrap this to my heart? Because I always forget that right there. I say everyone has their preferences. I know there's some people, man, when they're spending time in the Word, they got their Bible out. And I'm just letting you go. When, when, for me, it's I have my iPad. Because I want to I read it in the TPT. I want to read it in the ESV. I want to read it in the NASB. I want to see how the message unpacks it. And I like that. For me, I like that. Because I'm not plowing a bunch of ground anyway. I'm just reading like one chapter. I'm just reading like six verses. I want to know the truth of those six verses. And so, but find 
what draws you closer to the Lord and what draws you back into his arms of intimacy, of being with him. I'm telling you what God's, God is calling you to, to a level of intimacy where the spending time in the word is dialogue, not reading. Young people, grab a hold of this now. Young people, don't wait until you're old to grab a hold of this truth. Spending time in scripture is not reading. Spending time in scripture is conversation. 